have a Bible, open up to the book of Mark, the book of Mark. We've been in a series called Back to School, Back to School. How many of you guys, you, you, your, your kids are in school already and, and they're already not liking it? Anybody like that at all? They're, they're, your kids are not liking it? Yeah. And that, st that stinks for you because if your kids don't like it, that means you gotta you have to fight with them. You have to like bend their arm to get them to go to, to class. And um, But you're going to make it. We're, we're in a series called Back to School. And um, it's really all about, it's all about Jesus. I see Amy and Rob in here today. They dropped off, a, they have a, another college student. The, the third kid, the third and the last at the college, your last first day of college. And so, hey, we're, you guys made it. You're going to do great. You're going to make it. I'm proud of you guys. And um, some of you seniors, I was at a school this past week, and it was a bunch of, I asked, where are all your seniors at? Seniors are always more excited than everybody else because they've only got one year left. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just we're, we're, we're one year, and we're out of here. And um, But we're going to have a good day today. We've been talking about back to school. Week one, we looked at the idea of what, your school supplies. And one of the things about school supplies is that you got to get a brand new bag. And whatever you put in your bag, it determines where you're headed. Whatever you put in your bag, it determines where you're headed. So I want to encourage you today to make sure you put the right things in your bag. Make sure you take the right things with you because where you're headed, you're going to have the right things. And I hope in your bag, you've got kindness and goodness and mercy and, 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 and gentleness. I hope you have the fruit of the Spirit in your bags with you because what you have in your bag, it determines it determines where you're headed at. The, the next week we looked at, we looked at school supplies. We looked at meet the teacher, meet the teacher. And I'm so thankful that we have teachers in our school because without teachers, there would be no schools. And one of the things I, we, talked about, we talked about with the new teachers that we get brand new grades. I'm thankful for new grades and we get a new conduct chart. And obviously this whole entire series when we talk about the teacher and we're really talking about Jesus. And I'm so thankful when he saves us, he says, hey, Wes, you get a new start, Wes. I'm going to give you a bless, brand new grades. Old Testament and the New Testament alike, the Bible says this, that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're clothed in righteousness. Jesus does not see you the way that you were. He sees it the way you are, and the way that you are is clothed in righteousness. Jesus says he puts a cloth, a righteousness around you. I'm still thankful that he does that. He does that for us. So we looked at a new, new school supplies, a new teacher, and we looked last week, new friends. New friends, and we launched our community group season. It starts in a couple of weeks here, but we're doing our sign-ups. You can sign up again to, to today after service for a community group. Everyone ought to be in a community group. We have a community group for everyone, um, ladies, men, co-ed, not co-ed, the opposite of that, and everything in between. And it's going to be a great, great, great season. This is going to be our best community group season that we've had today, and we hope that you'll sign up for one. You can go to hopewintergarden.com, even while I'm speaking if you want, and click on Connect. And um, you can grab a group that's going to be best for you. You can sign up again in the lobby. But it's going to be a great season. We're going to see a lot of people connected. I was talking to last week, I told you guys this, that we weren't made to do life alone. We were not made to do life alone. That was one thing we talked about. And the second thing we talked about was this, that your life can make somebody else's life better. Your life can make somebody else's life better. I was at the, um, I was at the gym yesterday, and, or this weekend. Right next to the gym is Molly Maid. And there's a few ladies from Molly Maid that come to our, to our church. And the lady said to me, she goes, hey, pastor, I wasn't, at our, I wasn't at church on Sunday. I said, it's okay. I'm not judging you. 
but be there this Sunday. It's okay if you miss once, but if you miss twice, I'm just kidding. I said, I'm not judging you. She goes, okay, good. She goes, but I, I really heard I needed to be there. I said, you got some good friends. The friends that tell you you need to be at church, those are good friends. Like, they told me that I, did, that I can make someone else's life better. I said, I can. I, you can. I believe that about you. I believe you can make somebody else's life better. I think everyone in here today has what it takes to make somebody else's life to make somebody else's life better. Everywhere you, everyone you come in contact with, you can make somebody else's life better. Do any of you guys have a friend that every time you're around them, you're just smiling? Do you, do you have that friend? Like, no one has that friend? <laughs> okay, okay, there we go. It's okay to raise your hand. How many of you guys in your, group of friend, in your group of friends, you are that friend? You're the guy that's always cutting up. You're the one that's making everybody laugh, everybody smile. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dad, you, my dad is that guy. Shooter, I, I believe that you're that guy. Like, I'm that guy. Like, I want... I want to turn everything into a, everything into a party as best I can. Um, Q this past week fell off a roof. So I called and I was like, I'm going to make this guy laugh. This guy has broken every rib in his body and I'm making him laugh. That's wrong, right? But I thought I'm going to make him laugh because it'll make, laugh, laughing makes everybody feel better. Laughing makes everybody feel better. But I believe we all have what it takes to make someone else's life better. Neither we're doing that or we're not. But today I want to talk to you about something that no one likes. No one has ever liked it in the, in the history of school. No one has ever liked homework. No one has ever said, man, I hope when I go to school today, I'm going to get lots of homework because I just love doing homework. I'll be honest with you. I'm now an adult who doesn't like homework that much more because now my kid comes home and says, dad, I have homework. I said, that's great. You have homework. Like I've already passed second grade. Like go do your homework. And my daughter walks in. She's like, mom, I got homework. The other day she says, hey, come here, dad. Say, Hope does, my sixth, my, my sixth grader. She says, hey, can you read this question to me? I said, now there's two problems here. I think you're baiting me in. Problem number one. Problem number two, it's working. You know what I'm saying? And uh, what we've, what, we've got to establish the, the groundwork at my house. Like we, we're a transparent house. I told my kids, like, listen, I, I told my wife, I said, hey, hon, I can help them up to about third or fourth grade. But after that, it's all you, babe. Like, don't ask me for help, like, Google it. I'm, I look at my kids like, Daddy, help my Google it. You know, ask Siri. I don't care. I don't want to help you. I birthed you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't birth you guys. I had no part in it. Like, that's your mom. Like, help, have your mom help you. Like, I'm not, I'm not good at a, certain, at a certain level. Reading, I can read a question to you. I said, but don't really ask me. But anyways, she said, hey, help me. I said, you need to ask your mom to help you. And Diana said, hope. I heard her say the other day, I've already finished sixth grade. I've already finished sixth grade. I'm not going to do sixth grade I'm not going to do six or again, but no one really likes homework. But here's what I know. Jesus has homework for all of us in here today. Jesus is, he's giving you homework assignments because he's preparing you for the, before the test. Let me illustrate that for you a little bit today. If you, how many of you guys have ever had a flat tire? Flat tire, yeah, yeah. How many of you guys know how to change a flat tire? Yeah, one thing my dad never ever taught me or my mom never taught me was how to change a flat tire. And I think the reason why they never taught me is because I've never, we've never had a flat tire. That's good karma. I don't know, but call it what you want. But like we never had a, I don't remember us ever having a flat tire. I never remember changing a flat tire. Well, I got a flat tire about six months ago. It was miserable. But I changed that flat tire in less than five minutes. It was awesome. It prepared me for the next time because I had a flat tire a few weeks ago. Down to call me. She goes, hey, the van tire is, is flat. Can you come change my tire? I said, yeah, babe, I got that. I've already changed one flat tire. I can change two. But the homework is preparing you now. That's, those are little tests. But how many of you guys in here today know there's some people in life, if they have a flat tire, they will lose their cool. Like they're flipping out. They're saying things you shouldn't say ever out loud. You shouldn't even think of some of the things that people say. But here's the problem with that is, 
is when you go through a, a, a season of life where you get a flat tire and you lose your cool, like how much, how much more crazier it is to have something bad happen? You know, my kids, my kids fell, my daughter fell when she was three years old, knocked all her teeth out. I had to fly across town. We were in the emergency room for 12 hours. They had to take all her teeth out. They had to give her stitches from the, on the 11 stitch on the bottom of her lip all the way through the top, inside and out. And she had to have stitches over here. It was the longest day of my life. If I respond to a flat tire, out of control, losing my cool, how much more will I lose my cool if something traumatic happens? I was talking to a friend of mine that day. I said, hey, how's your job going? How is your, how is your, how's work going? He goes, it's going, I said, how was your work trip? And he goes, oh, I went on that work trip for, the, my, for my company to let me know I've got 30 days to find a brand new job. That's not very exciting. No one, no one likes that. No one says, oh, I, I like that. What are you going to do when death happens or divorce happens or disease happens? If you respond, when you, when you lose your complete cool, whenever it is something small like a flat tire, Somebody cuts you off. How many of you guys in here, you cuss at people when they flick you off? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. When they cut you off, just kidding. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to sell any of you guys out. Some of you guys are like, well, I mean, I do. I mean, I, they deserve it. <laughs> you know, of course I cuss them out. They deserve it. You know, and um, I had this guy on my tail the other day. He was just, he couldn't get any closer. And I just look in the rear view mirror. I'm just smiling. I'm like, bro, I, I'm not going nowhere. Like, I, I, I can't. I'm at a stoplight. I, you know, by the way, just in case you work in, 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 road, in, in road enforcement and, and traffic lights, like, these lights, these signs that say no turn on red, I took a, I have a driver's license. You can turn on red. Why do you guys, why are you stopping, why are you stopping us from making a right? That's just a pet peeve of mine. It's an, I'm working through it. Um, before I was a pastor, if it said no turn on red, I'm like, that's, a, that's suggestional, you know. I make up words too. Like, that's just a suggestion. I'm making a right because I can make a right. When Diane's in the car, I break no rules. And now that I have a sixth grader, she's like, Dad, speed limit's 35. My kids do not want us breaking any, any rules. But I want to talk to you today about homework because here's what I believe. I believe that God's given us all homework assignments. I think some, some of them are small, some of them are big. Some of us in here today, God, the homework assignment God's giving you is just a little bit of obedience. But here's what I realized in my, in my little bit of time of living. If you can't be obedient, you'll never, ever receive all the blessings that God has for you. If you can't be obedient, you'll never, ever receive all the blessings that God has for you. It, blessings are always on the other side of obedience. God's saying, yeah, I have this plan for you. I'm going to do this for you. I want to take care of you. I want to bless you. Because like, I want you to be obedient. And sometimes we, we just, we struggle with obedience. But if we can't be obedient, if we can't do the small things, how can God bless us with the, bless us with the big things? God has placed blessings right on the other side of obedience. I believe that. You could take a note today if you're writing things down. That's, that's something you want to write down. And here's what I want for our church. I was telling, I'll tell our first service this today. I don't want you to come into church and feel like you got a list of rules that you have to do to be a better Christian. I don't want to, I'm, this, we'll never be a church that gives you 10 things on how to be a better Christian. Can I tell you what will help you though? If you would just come in here saying, God, what is it that you want for me? God, how can I be obedient today. God, what do you want? What is it what you want from me? Because here's what I'll promise you today. If you will be obedient, the blessings will always follow that. I meet so many people, they're not where they want to be at. And they'll come to me and say, man, my, just, my life's not going the way it's supposed to go. And I'll say, why do you think it's not that? And they'll start telling me about their life. And I'll say, well, have you tried obedience? Have you tried asking God, God, what is it that you want? What is it that you want from me? I went to lunch with my friend Carlos this week. I, I love going out with our, with our business owners and and uh, he's a real estate agent, a real estate 
almost a broker. He's like, and he has his general contractor license. I'm like, what? Honestly, what can't you do? Like, it's guys like you that I don't like because I can only do one thing, and that's teach the Bible. And you got all these different skills. He said, you know what I mean? He goes, Wes. He goes, I've been in the worst two years of my life. And he said, I, he goes, and I said, he said, I'm, and I'm taking notes as he's talking. He's like, you know, it's all because I wouldn't be obedient. He said, I just believe if you'll be obedient, God will bless you. And I thought, I thought, man, 25, 26 years old and getting obedience. Sometimes I know some 50-year-olds that don't get obedience. God has called you and I to live obedient lives. And when we're obedient, the blessings fall. Carlos said to me, I've been in two months. Of, I've been in two months. I, I've been in two years of being disobedient. He said, I've been obedient for the last two months. God has blessed me more in two months than I can even imagine. I can just tell you the Bible talks about obedience but I can tell you this, I've been around a lot of people that have surrendered their life to being obedient and God began to bless their life. And I want to encourage you with that today. If you just ask God, God, what is it that you want for my life and you actually do it, you actually see some blessings come right behind it. I think homework, obedience is one of the greatest assignments that God has ever given us as believers. So I want to read a passage of scripture to you today briefly. Mark chapter 14. If you have a Bible, great. If you don't, it's going to be on the big Bible right behind me. Mark chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says this. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him. They asked him, what's, what's our homework assignment? Here's how they said it to him. Um, <clears throat> verse 4, 12. He's, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal? Where, where do we need to go to set things up for this, for this last meal? Now, this is going to be the, one of the most important meals the disciples ever have with Jesus because this is the Passover meal, and it's the, they're going to take the body and the blood of Jesus. In just a few moments, we're going, to take the, we're going to take communion together as a community. As, and it's one of the most important meals that we can take as a community. We ought to go out to eat. We ought to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But breaking bread together, breaking the, remembering the body, remembering the blood of Jesus is one of the most important meals that we'll take as a community. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter 2, and they did that quite a bit. They said, Jesus, how do you want us to prepare? Where do you want us to go at? Where are we going to have communion at? So Jesus said to the guys, go into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, there'll be a man carrying a pitcher of water, and he will meet you. Then follow him. You're going to see a guy with a pitcher of water. Follow that guy. That's your home. Be obedient, guys, so we can do, follow the rules so we can do this thing right. We don't want you at the wrong house. Have you ever gone to dinner with some friends and, and been at the wrong restaurant? That's miserable. I'll, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Where, where are you at? I'm at the right restaurant, but I'm at the wrong location. Obedience is important. It, obedience is important. So he says to him, guys, I want you to go here. I want you to go to this house. When you see the guy at the water, follow him. And at the house he enters, say to the owner, hey, the teacher asked. My teacher's assignment was for us to do this. Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. I want you to go. Here's your assignment, guys. Go to this house. When you see this guy with a pitcher of water, that's your guy. Go up to him, tap him on the shoulder, and say, hey, where's the space at for us to have this meal? You know we're coming. Here we are. I don't know if Jesus did a call ahead, if he got reservations online, but this guy knew he was coming because when he got there, this guy was like, he wasn't startled by two dudes tapping him on the shoulder saying, hey, we're coming in your house today. I know it's going to be awkward for you, but we're coming in. He goes, okay, so we're coming in there. I want you to go upstairs. Ask him where the room is for, for where the meal is going to be at. The two disciples did exactly what they were supposed to do. So to the two disciples, they went into the city, and they found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal right there. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12 disciples. Everything's going the way it's supposed to go. 
There's a reason for that. Verse 18, as they, as they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I will tell you the truth. One of you eating with me here will betray me. And greatly distressed, each one of them asked in turn, am I the one? They're like, who, who, who's, re- am I going to betray you, Jesus? Am I going to betray you, Jesus? Am I going to betray you, Jesus? Twelve times they asked that question. Greatly distressed, they all asked. In verse 20, he replied, it is one of you, twelve, who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago, but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never, ever, ever been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it, which is gross because they share the same glass. How many of you guys in here, you share drinks with people? A few of you guys in here today. And there's a bunch of you guys that just don't not raise your hand in church no matter what we do. We're not going to raise our hand in church. <laughs> like if I said Jesus wants you to raise your hand, you'd be like, I'm not doing it. I'm Baptist. I'm not raising my hand. It's just not going to happen. I was at Duke's the other day. I was at Duke's house the other day. And Duke said, man, I'm a, he goes, I'm a germaphobe. He, he said, man, if I, he goes, this is something so funny. He said to me, he goes, he goes, if I hear someone use the bathroom house and I don't hear the water run, I'll say, hey, bro, you got to go back in there and wash your hands. <laughs> That's hardcore. You know, like, <clears throat> so he says, hey, I, we're, gonna, we're having this meal together, and I want you guys to do exactly what I told you guys to go out and do, and we're, we're going to do this, and we're doing exactly the way that I want to do I want to bless it. I want you guys to wash your hands, and we're going to have this meal. Take it, for this is my body, verse 22. And then verse 23, he says this. He took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them this. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it into the new kingdom of God, which is very confusing for them. Basically, they're telling them this. This is my last communion. This is the last, the next time we're going to have communion, I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus because I'm going to die. I'm going to raise again three days later, and then I'm going to be on this earth for 40 days. I'm going to let a bunch of people see me so people can believe that this is true. I'm going to have eyewitness accounts, and then I'm going to go to heaven. We're not going to have communion ever again, guys. And they're all like, dang, this is our last meal with Jesus. And then verse 26, they sang a song together. And they went out to the Mount of Olives. They, they, they sang and they worshiped Jesus together. There's a verse in here that we read that I, that, I, that I think is important. Verse 16, he says, So the two disciples went into the city and they found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal for them. I wrote down a couple things today that I think you ought to write down. I, I think you ought to write down the fact that on the, other, on the other side of obedience, there's blessing. I think that's important. But I want to give you some things that I think that Jesus wants you to kind of write down today. Here's the first thing. The teacher knows more than you. The teacher knows more than you. I'm so thankful that the Jesus in the Bible, the only God that there is, the Heavenly Father, God and man, Jesus, I'm so thankful that he knows more than me. I, didn't, I knew everything until I was 25. I think I've told you guys that before. I knew everything until I was 25. When I turned 25, I realized I knew nothing. And I've learned more than three years I'm, 30, I'm 36 now, but I learned more, and I learned more the next three years than I learned my whole entire life. When you know nothing, you can learn a lot. But when you know everything, how, can, how much more can you learn? How can you learn anything else? In 1980, the U.S. Patent Office closed. And the reason why it closed is because they thought this, everything had already been invented. Thank God it opened back up because now we have iPhones. Come on, somebody. Like, could you imagine if they, if they would have kept the patent office closed forever? They thought that everything had already been invented. There was There was more. There, there was more beyond what was created. There was, there, was a, there was a better pencil 
out there. There was a better, better pen out there. There was a better machine that could take down data. There was a, there was a better typewriter there. There was, a better, there was better farming. There was better things out there. And they said, hey, let's open it back up because there's more. There's, there's a more. And I want you to know that the teacher knows more than you. We're growing up in a generation of people. They were like, God, I got this. I got it all under control. And the problem is this. We're telling God, hey, God, I know more than you. God, I, know, I, God, I can do this without you. I'm better off without you. Whenever we say that, we're saying, God, I got this. I don't need your help. And what I want to encourage you with today that Jesus is a better partner than you think he is. And here's why. Because the teacher knows more than you. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he says, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in charge of all the R&D. I'm in charge of all the research and development. That's, that's what I do. And I'm so thankful that our life, we don't have to do all the R&D. We have a God in heaven, a teacher that knows more than we know. And we don't have to get it all figured out. We don't have to have all the answers. Some of us in here today, we're trying to figure out all the answers. We're trying to find the best way to do it. We're looking at magazines, and we're looking at, we're going to the internet, the best way to live life. And there's a God in heaven who says, I want to partner with you. I want to be, I want to partner with you. I want to help you. I want to help you make it all the way through. I can do this with you. You're better with me. And here's why. Because the teacher knows more than you. Hey, friends in here today, you don't have to have all the answers. Isn't it exhausting trying to have all the answers? Because here's the kicker. We never get all the answers. Some of you guys in here today, you've gone through some terrible things, and you're trying to figure out the answer for the question, and the reason that Jesus hasn't given the answer yet, because he wants you to know that you still need him. If you had all the answers for your life, you would tell God, hey, God, I'm done with you. You I don't need you anymore. I told you guys a while ago, God owns everything that I have. He He owns my kids, thank God. I'm just a steward of those things. I'm just a steward. I have a car. I let Ryan borrow it for a couple of days. I think he's probably doing donuts and probably, he's probably trash. He's probably treating like a rental, honestly. <laughs> it's the kind of friends I have. God owns all that I have. Everything that I have, it belongs to God. And I'm still thinking about it. And I don't have to have all the answers because the teacher knows everything. He knows more than me. And I don't have to know everything. I don't have to figure everything else out. Now, God's given me a mind. And he wants me to use it. He's given you a mind. He wants you to use it. But God knows everything that there is. The teacher knows more than you. Here's the second thing I think that it's important for you to know, and I hope this will encourage you today, that the teacher loves you more than you know. The teacher loves you more than, more than you know. You know, the number one thing that people all want in life is they all want to be loved. They all want to be loved. And here's the sad thing is that we'll do anything for it. And there's a teacher, there's a God who says, man, I love you more than anyone will ever love you. That's why people go out and they, they settle for, they, they go out through these relationships and they're, they're dead in relationships because we just want to have a relationship. And Jesus is telling you and I today, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to be there for you. Jesus wants to be your best friend. That's why it's, a, that's why it's getting saved, having a, relationship with Jesus, Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's relational. It's not religious. Religious is a list of things you can check off every single day. Relationship with Jesus Christ, it takes a lot to build a relationship. You know, I, I know Portia. I know Portia very little, very little. I was very enunciated, very little. I, the, but here's what I know. I, I, I know Portia's name. I, I memorized Portia's name the first time she walked up. Because I was like, that's such a cool name. That's just a cool, Portia's just, that's just a cool name. Like, that's just, a, just cool to me. And so I, I, I remembered her name, Portia. But the more I get to know Portia, the more I can begin to like her. And the more I like her, the more I can get to, to love her and know her better. Like, I know, like I know, I know some of her giftings now. Because the more I spend time with her, I know about her gifting. But you, if you if you have ever met, ever met me before, you might think you're being interviewed by the FBI. Because I want to know everything there is to know about somebody. Because the more I know the person, the more I can love them. 
the more I can know, the more I can help them, the more I can encourage them. And here's the thing, you don't have to ask me, I'm gonna tell you my life story. You're like, some people are like, dude, we didn't ask you for that. Like, you're welcome. It's free, you can have it. Like, you get to know my life story. Like, I'm gonna give you what it is. And here's what I've learned, I'll tell you, that, tell you this. The more you know someone, the more you love them. I'm so thankful. The more you know him, the more you'll love him. I'm thankful for that today. He knows everything that there is to know about me. He loves me more than, than anybody that, that, that's out there. And he wants me to know that the more, I, the more I know him, the more that I can actually love him. He wants me to love him more. You know, when you meet me, you may say, I don't really like that guy. Or maybe you say, I like him a little bit. But eventually that like will turn into love. My sister, my sister introduced me to her boyfriend, Ron, one day. Not her husband. I didn't like him. I barely like him now. Let me shoot you straight. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I did not like him for a long time. And she's like, she'd give me the look that every sister gives her brother. Like, are you going to give him a shot? I'm like, probably not. I'm just going to throw that out your way. Not until he puts a ring on. If you like him, then you should have put a ring on. At the moment I see a ring, then I'll begin to like the guy. We have a bunch of girls. I've, I've done about 20 weddings. And our girls say, hey, I met this guy. I said, as soon as you put a ring on his finger, I, I can begin to like him. But until then, I was like, I like him. Because all guys are jerks, you know? All of us, 100% of us, you know what I'm saying? Like, and all girls are stupid. So like, I gotta like beat, I gotta play both sides. You know, some of the guys are like, dude, you just threw us up, like, I helped you out. That girl's like, oh, but he loves me. Like, no, he's a jerk. <laughs> so that's just a commercial side point. I'm coming back to it. The girl's like, so what do we do? Like, find the guy who's the least amount of a jerk. Um, but she's like, I don't like him. But here's what I know. I love Ron now. I've got to know him. The more I know him, I can love him. And we have a, a really, and he's my chiropractor. He's, his hands have been all over my body. He, he knows me, I know him. Is it okay to say that? <laughs> we know each other well. <laughs> the more we know him, the, the more I know him, the more I, the more I can begin to love him. We have great conversations and, we, and the more we learn each other, the more we, the more we love each other. We, we, we do better now. In this room here today, one of the people I've known longest is probably Tyshawn in this room in here today. Outside of my family, I've known Tyshawn for a long time. And the more I know him, the more I love him. And it, it, it's just how it works. He, lo- he knows me well. He, it, there's a, we love each other well because we know each other. Can I encourage you in here today? There's a God in heaven who wants you to know more about him. He knows everything about you. And yet he still chooses to love you. And he wants you to know more about him. Because the more you know about him, the more you can love him. And here's, the, here's what's awesome. The more you love him, the more you can look like him. The more you can act like him. The more you can talk like him. He wants that for you. I, I to, I've told you guys this a thousand times. I didn't, like, I didn't like West Beach. I'm at 15. He was a punk, know-it-all kid. Honestly, I'm, I'm pretty close to that right now. My youth pastor texted me yesterday. He was taking his daughter from Michigan to Liberty University in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. And when I was in high school, he would get, we would we'd load up in a van right here. My dad remembers this like it was yesterday. I used to hate going on church trips. Here's why I hated it. Because my dad would make us all come to the living room, and he would make us pray before we go on the trip. Like, nobody wants to, and there's six of us. My sisters are laughing because they know. And here was the worst part. Hey, guys, get up. The kids are going on a trip. So we got a, we're in this circle and we're praying, everybody's breath stinks. I'm like, this is brutal. Why are we, why are you making us do this? Like we can all pray in our sleep when we, we can pray later, we can pray individually, but he wanted to get us all in a circle 
He wants us all to pray. I'm like, dude, everyone's breath stinks. Not, not whoever was, me and my sister, we were going on the trip, so our teeth were like, we were going to go on the bus. Like we, but we, he would get on a bus and we would go up to Lynchburg, Virginia. We, we'd actually go to Winter Place, Virginia, and we would go skiing. My youth pastor texted me, text me yesterday. He goes, every time I get on 70 from Michigan all the way to, to Lynchburg, he said, I think about you. He said, because because one of the times on the trip that the, the, the window kept on fogging up, he goes, you, you were taking ice and some of you guys only know this light because you got that floor light. You were taking the ice and you were going outside and you were putting on the windshield and I was able to turn the windshield wiper because their windshield wiper fluid wasn't working. So you'd go out there and you'd throw ice on there and it, we'd go back and forth and we were able to clean the window so we could begin to see. And I said, man, I'm, I'm thankful. For, he said, I'm, he said, I'm, I'm, he, I said to him, I said, I'm thankful. I said, I'm still that punk kid, 15 years old. I'm just in a 30, I'm just, I'm 36 now and I'm still trying to figure it out still. But here's what I want to figure out the most is I want to know God more than I know anything. All of that to say that. I want to know God more than I know anything. And here's what I know. I don't want me to experience anything that I don't want for you to experience. I'm, I think, I think I'm experiencing right now all that God has for me. Well, why wouldn't I, if I really love you, why wouldn't I want that for you? It's because I do. I want that for you. I want that for everybody. I want everybody to experience all that God has for them. But here's what I know. We'll never get all that until we can believe that the teacher knows everything and the teacher loves me more than we know and that he wants me to know him more. Like we'll never ever experience all that God has for us until we get to know him more. And I hope in a year from now, I'm experiencing more of God. In a year from then, I'm experiencing more of God. I want us all to experience God more and more every single day. I want that for everyone in this room in here today. Because what kind of shepherd would I be? Pastor, friend, mentor, coach today? What kind of coach would I be if I don't want everybody else to experience all that God? I met a friend today. She's a nurse. She works on Sundays. She works in the recovery room in Dr. Phillips. Well, she wants everyone that goes into surgery to make it to her floor because that means they made it through surgery. And she wants to make sure everyone's good so they can go out again. Well, that's the same thing I want. I want to make sure everyone's good so when they go out of here, they're, they're good. They're experiencing all that God has for them. And, and just so you know, God's got way more than you think he does. Carlos told me today, he goes, we, my dad taught me from a young age to, to believe in a God of more. I believe in a God of more. I, I'm tracking, I track with that well. I don't think God wants us to get by. But I know this, this is, this is, the, this is the truth part. And no, people don't like, I know we, we do grace and truth at our church. No one likes, truth is not like a, we're not a big fan of truth. A lot of people never ever get all that God has for them because they'll never ever be obedient. And I promise you, he's not a gene in the bottle, but blessings, there's more blessings than you know about. And the blessings are always on the other side of obedience. I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.